You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. Hey guys, welcome back to OnlineCalvary.com. And I hope that you are still loving quarantine. Remember the days when you said, I wish I could just stay at home. And you're, you're wishing you'd never said that because now things have happened. And now you're wondering if the outside still exists. Well, it does. Check it out. Anyway, uh, I don't know if you know this, but it's actually, it was five years ago today that we had our very first service in this building. Uh, our grand opening wouldn't be for another week, but we wanted to have one Sunday, we called it the soft opening, uh, where we would kind of work out all the, the kinks uh, before we had our big grand opening for the community and for the, the whole congregation. And there's so many great things about having your own place. And it's weird when you're renting facilities. And as a church, we met in portable facilities, rented facilities, borrowed facilities for 14 years and eight months. I had someone tell me the other day, wow, you met in rented facilities for 14 years. I'm like, no, that's not what I said. I said 14 years and eight months and don't take the eight months away from me. Well, one of the places that we used to meet in was a movie theater uh, in Miami Lakes. And one Sunday, uh, I was already teaching, but one Sunday, a woman walked in. She was dressed very nicely and she sat down, uh, she, she, was, she walks in, she asks the usher a question, and then she sits down. She has a bulletin in her hand, and then she's looking at the bulletin, and then she's looking at me, and then she's looking at the bulletin, and now minutes have gone by, and, and I'm, I'm noticing her because she's, she's visibly uncomfortable where she's sitting, and also I noticed her because she's probably dressed better than anybody else in the church at the time, and so about 10 minutes of her kind of looking at the program, looking at me, listening to me, looking at the program, uh, doing this. And all of a sudden she stands up with this shocked look and she says, this isn't Harry Potter. And she storms out. And uh, I'm telling you, if I had a nickel for every time I was confused with a wizard. And, and I've always wondered, like, what was the moment where that lady figured out that I, I wasn't like part of the Harry Potter cast. Like, you know, I didn't, that pastor didn't say Expelliarmus one time and I just deduced that he was a muggle anyway, because uh, nothing got past her. So, uh, but my wife and I, we started Calvary on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we had our very first meeting. Just, we just gathered a couple of people that were interested in starting a church in, in this area. And it was in a living room with five other people on Memorial Day weekend of uh, the year 2000, and, and chances are, as you're watching this service, you probably might be watching the service with the same group, uh, same size group that we started with. And it's been amazing to see what God has done in almost 20 years through a vision that God had given to us. And that's what I wanna spend some time talking about today is the making of a dream. Because a vision or a dream that God gives you doesn't come prepackaged. Most of the time, we don't, uh, get a vision, a dream, just this idea of a preferred future as the finished product. Most of the time what we get is we get uh, this feeling or we get this, you know, this, this idea and we get step one. And when we're obedient to step one, then step two appears. Other times, 
You might say, well, no, something, I've, I feel like I've gotten kind of the big vision of it. I know what I want it to look like. I feel I know what God's called me to do, but there's a million ways to get there. And we've got to learn how to work hard. We've got to learn how to trust God for the results. And so we've been in this series for the last few weeks now called Viewfinder. And the subtitle for the series is The Secret Weapon to Making Sense of Life. And one of the things that we've been talking about is that the secret weapon is perspective. Because when you have the right perspective, even when nothing around you changes, everything can change because you're different. And so we started looking last week at this little book in the Old Testament called Joel. It's tucked away in the, an area towards the end of the Old Testament, what's called the minor prophets. There's the major prophets, which are the really big books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then there's the minor prophets, which are these 12 smaller books. And Joel was a prophet around the area of Jerusalem in about 830 B.C., and if you were with us last time, then you remember that there was this natural disaster that occurred. Uh, locusts had decimated the country's farmland and grain. And in an agrarian culture like that, this was a complete financial meltdown. And, but, but we learned that God was using all of this to get their attention. And that's what Joel reveals at the beginning of his book. And it's amazing what happens as Joel is sharing this, that then the people turn their attention back to God and God reveals that he's going to transform their situation and bless them. Now that may seem a little bit harsh, but it's simply God trying to get our attention. Now you realize that, that you do that as well, especially if you're a parent, uh, you have to use your mom voice or your dad voice, which by the way, a dad voice is just dad's normal voice. And uh, the mom voice usually is a little more intense because moms tend to be a little sweeter and nicer. And then they've got to kind of muster up the intensity, uh, whereas dads are kind of already there. Anyway, so, but the point of this entire situation is where we're, what we're going to see right now, and that God is seeking to do so much good in their lives, and that the locusts served their purpose of waking the people up to turn them back to God so he could do the good that he ultimately wants to do. Now, here's the point, is that whatever vision that you have for your life doesn't even scratch the surface of what God wants to do in and through you if you'll let him. And Joel is going to reveal what God wants to do in the lives of the people in Israel and what God wants to do in our lives as well. Now, you might be thinking, well, how do I know that God does want to do that in my life if what we're talking about was meant for Israel 2,800 years ago? How do I know that that applies to me right now? Well, that's a great question. And the answer is, that the verses that we're going to cover are actually pulled in and quoted in the New Testament more than once to speak of the work that God wants to do through the church because of what Jesus has done for us. So if you're in a place where you are feeling stuck in regards to your future, I am so glad that you're spending time with us because we're going to show what it looks like for God to work in a life that's surrendered to him. If you're unsure about what the next step is in your life, you're, you're in the right place because God wants to give you some options that you've never even considered. And if you're in the place where you say, I think I'm in the place where God wants me right now, then God wants to encourage you and show how he can bless what you're doing and multiply what you're doing as you obey him. So we're going to start in the book of Joel, chapter 2, and we're actually going to start in verse 18. Here's what we read. It says, then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity the people. 
The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. But I will remove far from you the northern army. I will drive him away to a barren and desolate land. With his face towards the eastern sea and his back toward the western sea, his stench will come up. His foul odor will rise because he has done monstrous things. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yields its strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, the first thing I want to tell you about the making of a dream is this, is that you've got to do your part and give God room to work. Now, I want you to notice what's happening here in these verses, that God is telling the people that he's going to do what he's going to do now that they have changed their ways. It's like God, as a heavenly father, is looking for opportunities to bless his kids, and he blesses them in ways that they could never do for themselves. And I want you to notice this specific promise that God gives to the people in verse 23. He says that I'm that God has given you the former rain faithfully, but now he's going to cause rain, the former rain and the latter rain. Now I want to share that uh some explanation to that. Now there's typically one rainy season in Israel. That's around the month of October. And that's why if you come with you're coming with us next year uh to Israel if you come in with us at Calvary, we're going in November right after the rainy season. Uh, but the latter rain didn't always come. The latter rain was this rainy season that would happen around the month of April. And, and, and you know, the people of Israel, especially in an agrarian culture where your livelihood was dependent on the rain. But you got to understand that rain didn't mean anything if you hadn't worked the ground faithfully. And so there was this Uh, It didn't matter if you hadn't pruned the trees to get them ready for rain. And so the principle is that God wants you to do the work that you've got to do. And then he will work to the level of faithfulness doing the things that we've been called to do. You know, when the Bible says that, you know, you reap what you sow. So you sow corn, you reap corn. You sow love, you reap love. You sow obedience, you reap blessing. That is qualitative. But there's this other thing that if you'll notice that the Bible also talks about quantitative. You never just reap what you sow. You always reap more than you sow. That's why in the book of Hosea, and you'll see it on the screen or in your notes, it says that they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind, right? It's always more. And, and uh, in, in the book of, uh, again, in Hosea in chapter 10, he says, sow for yourselves righteousness, Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. The point is this, God isn't looking for perfection to bless you. What he's looking for is faithfulness. If you will do your part, you'll be amazed at what happens when God does his part. Uh, We were talking about this building earlier and moving in. When we submitted plans to the city, for this property, 
we, we submitted the plans and then we found out we had to submit it to the county. So we go to the county and we have to get uh, permission. So our general contractor takes it to the county to get this certificate that we've met all the traffic, environmental and whatever other uh, fees that the government can uh, put on us. And then the person at the county says, oh, by the way, this property has impact fees. Now let me, if you're not aware of what impact fees are, you're gonna love this. Impact fees are imposed on new construction to finance you know, water towers or other government structures. Basically, it's a hidden tax that they charge on people that are building. And so what we found out was that the impact fee for our property, because it was new construction, was about $100,000, which was not in the budget, by the way, and we were stuck. So the GC calls me and he says, hey, uh, bad news, there's a $100,000 impact fee to get the certificate, do you happen to have an extra $100,000 laying around? And I said, I, I think you called the wrong number if you're asking the question, do I have an extra $100,000 laying around? And I said, well, what can we do? And he's like, well, uh, the city won't even look at our plans until we pay the impact fee. So we either wait uh, to save the money or we try to cut $100,000 out of a project that we've you know, stripped as much as we possibly could. Well, anyway, as I'm talking, he's like, well, all right, so I guess I'm gonna leave. So he hangs up with me. The guy behind the counter says to our, our GC, whose name is Joe, and he says, Joe, let me check something. And he leaves and he comes back a few minutes later with the certificate. And he says, hey, I checked the records and the people that sold you the property paid the impact fee uh, right before they sold it to you. So here you go, have a nice day. So GC calls me, Joe calls me, he's like, hey, uh, they just handed me the certificate and said that the people who sold the property have already paid it, what do you think I should do? And being the spiritual person I am, I'm like, I want you to run as fast as you can and don't stop till you get to the city of Miramar and you drop that off before anybody asks any questions. So, now here's the point, right? Is that whatever God has called you to do, do it faithfully and work hard, and whatever depends on you, do it faithfully, and you know what you'll find? You'll find that if you do what you can do, God will do the things that you could never do as he responds to our faithfulness and trust in him. Now, that's kind of where we begin. We build on that in verse 25. Look at what it says. He says this, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God. There is no other and my people shall never be put to shame. Now if you pause there and give me your attention and here's the second thing I wanna tell you about the making of a dream and that is that one God idea is infinitely better than a thousand good ideas. The people of Israel were looking at the destruction of their livelihoods and their future because the locust had devoured everything. And God gives the people this beautiful promise that he's gonna restore the years. All of this wasted time, all of this wasted resources, he's gonna restore all of that. That there is a math that doesn't make sense but only makes sense in the context of the kingdom of God. Because God has this way of taking our meager ability, coupling it with his favor, and that blessing takes us light years beyond what we could ever do on our own. Now, some of you know, I, if you've been around Calvary for a while, you know I've, I quote this every once in a while. I love this passage in Deuteronomy that says, how could one chase a thousand 
and two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them. And God is telling the people as their, and this passage in Deuteronomy is a sermon uh, that Moses is preaching to the people of Israel right before they go into the land of promise. And the thing that he's telling them is that you are able to, and, and as in turn we're learning, that we can accomplish exponentially more when God is with us. And that's once again why the favor of God is so indispensable in our lives. And the thing that we mess up on is that we think that the blessing of God, if the blessing of God is on us, that that means everything is supposed to be easy. And so we give up when things aren't easy because we just erroneously believe that if God is in it, then there's just gonna be no hassle or, or difficulty. And I hear Christians say this all the time. And they'll say, well, God just didn't open the door. Well, I mean, have you ever thought that God just wanted you to crash through the window? You ever thought about God wanted you to take a sledgehammer and create a door where there was no door? And that's why, listen, the fingerprint, and this is just so important for us as Christians to understand, the fingerprint of God's favor is never that it's easy. The fingerprint of God's favor is that God has a way of exponentially blessing our effort way more than we could ever do ourselves. The favor of God creates opportunities and takes uh, our effort way further than we ever could on our own, but it never means that we don't put forth any effort on uh, our own. Um, some of you know this, that I used to run a college before coming and starting Calvary. And one of the things that we did when I was running the college is we had to get accredited uh, with the state of Florida and the Southeast region so that the students that went to the school, that their, uh, their credits could transfer anywhere. And that was one of the things that I worked on when I was there. And so to get final approval, I had to fly to Tampa and present my case to the accreditation board. And so I flew to Tampa, went to the meeting. There were 20 schools that were on this list. And I was number 19 on the list. For six and a half hours, this is not even a joke, I listened to the board yell and scream at people who were applying. And the applicants were yelling and screaming and saying things that I can't repeat in church. And, 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 and I'm thinking there, and all I've got, I've got one folder with my, all my paperwork. Now, I've got all my paperwork submitted and everything I thought was right, but I'm thinking to myself, I have no idea what's gonna happen. And so finally, it's about four o'clock in the afternoon, and this thing started at 8.30. And so four o'clock in the afternoon, it's my turn. By the way, I'm 23 years old, so this happened about five years ago. Anyway, um, I know that joke gets funnier and funnier as the years go by. And so I go up, I handed the board all of my documentation, and the chairman of the board, who, by the way, was this big guy with a big beard, and he was rough. I mean, he was probably the most aggressive person kicking people out. And, uh, and he looks at the application, and he says, Calvary Chapel. Is this school associated with Pastor Chuck Smith out of California? And I said, uh, uh, yes, yes. I, I think so. Would you like it to be? Because it could be if you want it to be. And, and I said, no. I said, yes, it is, sir. And he says to me, he goes, I listened to Pastor Chuck on the radio years ago. That, that man's teaching blessed my life. I, I approve of this school. And he hit his little gavel thing or whatever it was, a brick, who knows what it was. And one of the members of the board says, hey, we haven't discussed this and other board members haven't weighed in. And that guy, he, he kind of like turns the mic and, and he says, do any of you have a problem? with this decision. 
And they're like, no, 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 we're good. And he turns to me, he goes, young man, go do what God has called you to do, you're approved. And just like I told Joe that day, you just run out, run out before anybody changes their mind. And, and, and listen, no way I could have orchestrated that situation, but God has a way of one man putting 1,000 to flight and two, putting 10,000 to flight. That's why one idea that's inspired by God will take you further and faster than 1,000 ideas that we come up with ourselves. Well, let's top this off. Look what happens in verse 28 as we close it out. He says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my maidservants and on my men servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance as the Lord has said among the remnant whom the Lord calls. If you pause there and give me your attention, here's the last thing I wanna tell you about the making of a dream. And that is you've got to allow God to inspire your future decisions. Okay, so let's take this. This is about 830 BC. We're gonna go a little more than 800 years into the future. Now, this is the day that the church began, the birthday of the church. After Jesus ascends into heaven, these words the, are the beginning of these words being fulfilled. Jesus, when he ascended to heaven, he told, and this is at the end of the Gospel of Luke, he told the disciples to go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Then in Acts chapter 2, and you can read this later, the disciples were all praying together, and this rushing wind comes into the room where they're praying, and tongues of fire appear over them. And the disciples, as you read, they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in languages, speak in tongues, but they speak in languages that they don't naturally know how to speak. There were thousands of people in Jerusalem at the time that were there that day to celebrate a Jewish feast called Pentecost. And as they, they start freaking out because they, they're like, these believers are praising God and we're hearing them in our native language. And so they're trying to figure out what does this even mean? And so some of the people are like, you know what? They're probably drunk. And Peter stands up and he starts explaining everything. And he says this in Acts chapter two, you'll see it on the screen or in your notes. He says, but Peter standing up with the 11 raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day or 9 a.m., but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. You see, and then he quotes this entire passage that we just read. He's saying, you know that prophecy that Joel said about how he's gonna restore everything? Today is the beginning of that work. The work of God spreading the gospel of Jesus through the church begins now and carries on through the return of Jesus, which we'll talk about in our next, uh, next session uh, next week. And this is why Joel mentions fire and blood and pillars of smoke. Jesus references these verses in Luke chapter 21 when he talks about his return. And it's the Apostle Paul who pulls from these verses once again, one more time, to show us that no one is out of the reach of God's forgiveness, grace, and transformation. He says this in, in uh, 
the book of Romans chapter 10. He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in the Lord shall never be put to shame. It's a quotation from Isaiah. For there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and he richly blesses all who call on him for, and here's the passage from Joel, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The promise that we have is that our future can be vastly different than our current reality. That we can actually invite Jesus to come into our lives and experience the change that we've been seeking all of our lives. And that's true if you're a Christian, that he can radically change your future when you decide that you're gonna trust him rather than trust in your own understanding. And it's true if you're listening and you're far from God right now, that Jesus can forgive you, can transform your life starting right now. Why? Because he died for you. Because he rose again, proving that he had victory over sin and death and has the ability to forgive you if you'll come to him. And it's as easy as calling out to him now. And so as we close, what I want to do is I want to simply lead you in a prayer. And if you want to invite Jesus to come in to your life, maybe you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, this could be your moment. Because as we read in this passage that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from an eternity without him, Saved from a future of our own bad decisions. Listen, sometimes we need saving even from ourselves. And so I want to invite you now. Let's pray together. And Lord, I want to thank you so much that we can call out to you and that anyone, no matter who they are or what they've done, that they can call out to you and know you, be transformed, be saved, and have a place in your kingdom and have eternal life starting right and if that's you and you're saying, I want to come to know Jesus right now, then I want to invite you to simply repeat this prayer with me. Just say, dear God, I come to you now and I invite you to come into my life. I ask that you forgive me of all that I've done wrong because I want to follow Jesus starting now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.